Unpacking European Energy Policy. It's my great pleasure uh, to welcome today not only you, but also our keynote speaker, um, Miguel Arias Cañete, the Commissioner responsible for climate action and, uh, of course, energy uh, at the European Commission. Um, so the plan of this morning is that uh, the Commissioner will present um, uh, the key insights from the report and um, that was uh, just quite recently, I think, published. Um, and I be oh, not yet published. <laughs> but I hear it's 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 a long it's a long it's a long uh, long piece of work. Um, and following uh, the commissioner's intervention, uh, we will have a discussion uh, moderated by Shiban from uh, uh, from Platz, uh, which is a news energy news um, outlet. Um, and uh, Georg Zachmann, our senior fellow. Uh, will be the first discussant um, of, of the Commissioner, but of course we also want to give a chance to all of you to uh, ask questions, make comments um, to the Commissioner and, and to Georg. So without much further ado, uh, Commissioner, welcome. Thank you very much for coming and please, the floor is yours. that we are going to decarbonize our economies. When we reached the Paris Agreement, there were many commitments. One of them was to control the increase of temperatures uh, between below two degrees, well below two degrees, and with a view to 1.5. Um, and within the commitments of the Paris Agreement was uh, that the parties were invited in 2020 to present the decarbonization strategies. And that's a universal uh, commitment in the future that will handle by all the parties of this uh, a climate agreement and by European Union uh, ourselves. Uh, so uh, we are trying to, to develop a framework which is consistent with a commitment with the Paris Agreement of the carbonization of our economy. Uh, it's a good thing that the climate policy and energy policy come together under uh, a commission portfolio and, and a vice president also handling many commissioners who interact in this exercise. And that's why uh, when you see the package, you have seen the leaks, I, things are changing. So, so the final product uh, will have some elements that have not in the, one of the draft leaks, it's because you have said it has been published. No, no, it has 
really completely leaked, <laughs> but in a provisional way. So we are still under discussions, and, and, and we are having discussions within uh, the DG, the cab my cabinet, Vice President Sefcovic, and all the, all the DGs involved along this week will be will continue, and, and the final product, we will know it on Wednesday, probably, because it's still in, in evolution. But the whole idea, the whole idea, is how we achieve our 40% greenhouse emissions targets, our renewables targets, and our energy efficiency targets, which are still are not settled, but will be settled by Wednesday. No? So it's, it's pretty important to have the whole picture of this. For, for this, mm -hmm. Um, one of the main elements of, of, of fulfilling our, our targets is uh, that the electricity markets need to decarbonize. And this is the purpose of this exercise. But with current wholesale electricity prices in Europe at the lowest level in a decade and declining, attractive investment to modernize our electricity system poses a real challenge. There are no price signals to invest in the electricity sector uh, at the moment. Utilities are facing major challenge and development of, of, of renewables is curtailed by many bottlenecks that we are seeing in the system. So uh, now uh, we have to, 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 to make change possible with ambition and determination. And also uh, for us, the decarbonization challenge offers a unique opportunity for modernization of our economy uh, uh, and the provision of, of clean energy for all Europeans. The title of the winter package is not anymore winter package. Uh, and the moment has a different title, which is clean energy uh, for all Europeans, which is very much linked to energy efficiency, to renewables, uh, uh, and to decarbonize our electricity system. Uh, this is not wishful thinking, what we want to do, because um, it's feasible, and it's feasible in a cost-efficient way. Uh, over the period 1990-2014, our GDP increased by 48%. But our emission intensity was reduced almost by a half. So in the past, we have made good progress. In the future, it will be more challenges because the low-hanging fruits are more easy. The future is more demanding. And also, we have to take into account that in 2015 alone, the European Union saved around 25 billion euros in energy imports thanks solely to energy efficiencies. But it is just the, the, the tip of the iceberg because um, it's very clear that if we have, if we, instead of a 27%, we go for a 30% uh, target in energy efficiency, we can add uh, 70 billion euros more to our economy, and we are able to create 400,000 new jobs. So one of the, of the things uh, we, we, we have to, to, to decide, and one of the major decisions is to raise the level of the target of energy efficiency from the 20, at least 27% going to a more ambitious target. We, in the impact assessment, we model all kinds of them, and there are some preferred options that are currently still under discussion. So uh, uh, we have to make investment flow to sustainable innovative solutions. We have to go faster, trigger investment, and that's what the package has been and designed to unlock our green growth potential across the board. Uh, what uh, the new renewables directive will create the right conditions for clean energies to thrive and make the European Union number one in renewables again. The new market design, on which I will elaborate further in a minute, will improve market integration and competition, reinforce investment signals, and empower consumers. 
and the review of the energy efficiency legislation will tap into the energy savings that can kickstart our economy. Uh, if we are able to get our act together and, and do it right, we can unlock a 1% increase of GDP by 2030. We can pump uh, 190 billion euros into the European Union economy, and we can create as much as 900,000 uh, new jobs. So it's a challenge, fight achieving our targets, but it has results, and positive economic results. And, and that's the clear message. This is not, we are not speaking about Scots, we are speaking about opportunities. And that's the, the logic of the package. What happens with the, with the market? Um, the market has to work for everyone, for renewables, for traditional generation, and we have to adapt uh, some rules first. In an electricity market that is going to be dominated by variable renewables and by a more flexible demand, we have to generate uh, the, the right incentives to foster investment. And we have already done part of our own work by making proposals on how to strengthen the carbon price signal by revising the emission trading system. It's pretty clear that the emission trading system is a major driver for investment, for innovation, and for the carbonization in our economy, for sure. And it's, pretty, and it's quite sure that we have done efforts to improve the functioning, but the prices are very low. We, we established the backloading, we have done the market stability reserve, we have a reform underway, and we have the European Parliament, which is making very positive amendments at the moment, even as in a compromise has to be established between the Inter Committee, the Envy Committee, and around the European Parliament. But the signals that the European Parliament is clearly aware that we have to have a more performing emission trading system um, is, is very clear mainly because the position of, of the Commission is that we have to, to have a, a market approach to, 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 to the carbon markets and not to go establishing prices in a political way as some people want. There are two different models. Uh, and during the last days, we have had new ideas to, to put border carbon tax adjustments in view of the situation in the United States. Um, one of the things I would like to say here is that coming back from Marrakesh, what I have seen is the, the universal commitment to go on um, with ambitious climate targets, with ambitious energy policies on, in all of the countries that we're meeting in, in Marrakesh uh, the, last, the last two weeks. So the commitment to go ahead is universal. The commitment by China, the biggest, the big emitters, is also universal. So this is a, a, a something important, and that's why, uh, regardless of the situation in the United States, the progress must be made in this in this area, and we have to have a well-functioning uh, carbon market. This is one of the items in which the cooperation with China will be very close in the future. China is is launching a, a, a economy-wide carbon market, and in the future, the the, the, the ideal situation should will be to link the global markets of the world. And the Commission is proposing to to organize a very big conference with with China next year on carbon markets, so that we bring together all the countries and even all the states, like California, who are developing carbon markets together to see how we can improve the functioning of our markets in the future, because this will be the main drivers uh, of investment. What happens in, the, in, 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 in our markets, uh, in addition to emission trading system, is that uh, if prices don't react quicker to reflect changes in variable generation and, and, and the shift in demand, there are no price signals, and prices have to rise when demand is high or generation is scarce, and if constraints on prices are removed. But also, it also means that demand needs to react to changes in the generation 
if we have to avoid enormous costs to back up to innovation. So acting on prices, uh, eliminating regulated prices, giving price signals at the moment, allowing demand response, allowing consumers to be active in the markets, this will be one of the major challenges. And that is why we want uh, to, to develop a system who rewards flexibility and who brings tangible benefits to European Union consumers. This reform is much more focused on consumers. Consumers who will generate their own energy, consumers who will sell their energy, consumers who will react to prices signal, uh, dynamic pricing of contracts is a, a, a new world because we have new technologies which make it possible, but they are not used at the moment. So there is no demand response, mainly because there is no culture in the consumer side to be active, uh, active in the market. Then we need aggregators, we need DSOs to be more active, and all of this is, is, will be in the logic of the reforms. But active participation of consumers and demand response is one of the important things, as that is why we have to promote better integrated shorter markets, because shorter markets, intraday markets, even hourly markets, and, and with very short distance uh, between the, 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 the contracts and the delivery of energy, is the one thing we need. If we have to have flexible generation and renewables very active in the market. So European Union-wide intraday and cross-border balancing markets will be one of the axes of the reform. And we want to stop there, because we will further remove roadblocks to innovation to also enable the natural development of new energy services and to open the door to non-traditional actors to the market. Um, we have a very too close market, we have to open it, it's not easy. There are few resistance by many of the actors, but we have to bring together. And then that, that brings along, which is the new role of DSO, the aggregators, how of energy communities. It's, it's a whole different world. And we have to make it possible in the future. Um, this uh, will help us respond to the need for growth and investment and create a value in a market that has in the past been close to new business models. But in the end, the deep transformation of the energy system that we are witnessing calls for a wider rethinking of the way we engage with our energy system. And we cannot ignore anymore the new developments that have the consumers uh, or allow them to play an increasing role in the markets. Because um, consumers should be able to make the most of any transition and reduce the electricity bills. Because thanks to technological developments and, and core reductions, consumers um, have to become the real drivers of this energy transition. And every new year, more consumers become active participants in the market as low pace now, um, generating renewable electricity on site to consume, store, or sell to the grid. Consumers will play a key role in achieving the flexibility that we need to integrate abundant renewables and to provide quick and efficient demand response. But this won't happen if consumers don't trust the system in which they operate. And right now, they, they face huge barriers to fully engage in today's energy system. And in many ways, they are not letting get a fair deal for our energy improvement. That is why, uh, as part of our new electricity market design, we will promote measures that empower consumers and that facilitate their active participation in the electricity market. First, we will increase retail competition to improve consumers' engagement, keep consumers' costs low, and ensure all consumers have access to this new service. Second, we will make the grid flexible at both the generation and consumer ends to foster self-generation and demand response so that consumers can adjust their consumption to price fluctuations resulting from variable wind and sun and can benefit from lower electricity price. And third, we will allow consumers to switch providers more easily, get clearly billing and comparison tools and reduce restrictions and switching fees. Altogether, these measures will incentivize consumers' engagement with the market, help consumers save money in their bills and allow them to benefit from new services that add value. 
But in the end, empowering consumers will mean nothing if energy cannot flow quickly and unimpended to those places where it's most needed. And that is why, even if some people don't like it, we will promote better regional and cross-border cooperation on energy policies and support schemes to ensure a secure supply of energy to all Europeans. Now, uh, full market integration will require more than simply building new interconnector. Interconnector policy will be a priority for the Commission, but it's not only the physical interconnection. We have other, other bottlenecks at the moment. Uh, and we will no longer um, try to tolerate situations where bottlenecks are artificially pushed to the border. And we will not accept the existence of fragmented and uncoordinated national measures to remunerate generation capacity. It's, it's very clear that you need, you need to, to, to have a movement towards a European framework, more harmonized levels of capacity, uh, remuneration mechanisms, uh, because uh, if we don't do that, it will jeopardize the market and the security of millions of Europeans. Uh, an, an effective market requires a, a shift in focus from the national to the European level, and that is why we will propose a European framework for capacity remuneration mechanisms to ensure coherence, cross-border participation, and avoid market distortions. And let me uh, also uh, uh, clear, be clear about one thing. Uh, one of the uh, elements that we have to take into account is that capacity mechanisms should not be an excuse, uh, no, should not serve as an excuse to subsidize high polluting generation assets that would counteract our decarbonation objectives, it will have no logic uh, to have uh, the aim to decarbonize our economy and establish capacity mechanisms that not take this into account. So it might, and I say might, therefore be necessary to include strict environmental criteria in certain mechanisms to avoid giving wrong incentives that might lead to stranded assets as our emission cap gets tighter. And we will also develop a new risk preparedness proposal to guarantee that all member states duly prepare for crisis situations and cooperate with one another to prevent electricity crisis situations. In this way, we will make sure that a secure supply of electricity can reach those that need it most during a crisis. Um, in conclusion, uh, reforming our electricity market should not be seen as an isolated action, but as a cornerstone of our energy and climate strategy. Because as the clean energy transition unfolds before our eyes, we need to be ready to live and shape it in a way so that all Europeans can reap its benefits. And in this context, I am confident that the legislative package that we will launch in a week's time will help us to provide the smart and clean energy for all Europeans. It's a complex package. And I think it's a package that has to be assessed when you see the, the, the whole picture of the different pieces of legislation. Four for the electricity market design, two, uh, for energy efficiency, energy efficiency directly in the form of buildings, the risk preparedness, and the governance elements. So there are eight big elements. It's a big package. And, and, and let me uh, also finish with the governance, because it will be a very important part of the package. We, we, we cannot achieve our targets, the three of them, the 40% reduction, our four targets. The, the, the at least 40% greenhouse reduction emissions, the, 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 at least 27% renewables, the 27 or 30, let's see which is the final figure on energy efficiency, and the, and, and the targets for interconnection for 2020, the, the 10 and the 50% of 2030. It's, you cannot achieve that without a, a strong governance. 
And that will be one of the important parts of the legislation. Because um, this is a whole package, but in, in, in the end, it's how we fulfill the agreements we have made in Paris with 196 other countries. And the governance requires, for sure, national action plans on climate and energy, together, joint, uh, integral. And those have to be also linked with the five-year periods of the Paris Agreement, dynamic raising ambition, for sure. And it will be a good occasion because at the moment we have more than 50 reporting requirements of member states different for climate, for energy, with different timetables, with different fr frameworks, with different uh, 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 systems of information. We have to streamline on, on, on a single plan. So we, we will go for plans that have to be prepared by the member states, not isolated, but also in cooperation with the neighbors. So the, 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 the elaboration of the plans will be a, a processing with member states will elaborate the climate and energy plans. They will uh, communicate them to the commission and also to the, to the, to the, to the member states in, in the region. There will be an iterative process by the commission seeing the level of ambition of, of, of these plans. And then uh, they will be approved. And by 2019, we will have all the climate and action plans ready. They will have every five years to be updated because the stock taken in the, in, in the, in the, under the Paris Agreement is also on the five years. The first stock taken will be in 2023. And, and, and in 2025, it will be the timing which countries could, could may communicate more ambitious NDCs. Uh, on the other side, um, the member states have to make the, the, the plan and they have to, to, to communicate 50 years strategies of decarbonization of their economies. The European Union uh, uh, and all the parties of the United Nations have to deliver them by 2020. So it's also logical that member states do their own strategy because as parties uh, of the Paris Agreement, they have to deliver this mid-century decarbonization strategy, which is accomplished. Now we have our roadmap, but our roadmap between 80 and 95 percent decarbonization was done and the absorption of the two degrees. Now we are in a new scenario, which is well below two degrees, uh, which is much more ambitious. So it's plans, national integrated plans, energy climate, and uh, 50 years strategies. This will be one of the major challenges of this package for the future. And, and, and then the, the, the State of the Union report and debate will become very important because the Commission will make country recommendations and will follow up in iterative process the fulfillment of this process and will revisit the legislation in, if the targets uh, uh, for energy efficiency or renewables or emissions are not being achieved at the moment. So uh, it's a complex process, has a strong governance, and uh, I expect that the final product will be the product the European Union needs to fulfill its compromises under the Paris Agreement. Sorry for not being <laughs> sorry for not being too specific in this. For starters, we will do it in the question time. But I must tell you that the package is evolving, mainly because as it has been absolutely leaked to all the world, all the lobbies of the world are very active. All the governments are angry eh? for one reason or another, eh? and we have to have a balanced package. So at the moment, everything is boiling, is coming, is and, and arbitrage within the Commission are taking place also. So. Um, uh, it has been a, a very interesting experience engineering this package. Uh, 
ke na i hartu sejda digi klima, digi jene, hartu dona an impressive work, vice president Sekovic has coordinated many project teams in order to reach compromises balance. We still are on it and we will finalize along this week. So I'll try to be more specific afterwards, but when you see the final product, you will understand the logic. And the logic is that we have achieved integrated climate and energy policies within the European Union. Now the Commissioner for Climate doesn't discuss with the Commission of Energy. It's, I am with myself discussing with myself every morning, but I am able to reach compromises myself <laughs> and then tra translate the message to the rest of the people who work for me. It's an ambitious package. It's complicated. It's complicated because it's a revolution, a change. Uh, to integrate renewables will not be easy because we, we establish our targets, we didn't, but we didn't think how the market will work and now have a market which doesn't work. It requires major changes, it requires cooperation among member states, it requires regional operation centers, and then TSOs don't like it, eh, because everybody wants to keep their own, their own competences and, and, and not allow other people. If you reinforce ACER, there are national regulators who become amplified. If you establish regional operation centers and ACER has the same, then TSOs become angry. If you give power to DSOs, then TSOs say, what, what's happening here? So the balance uh, of interest is fairly complicated, and you will understand the difficulties of the package when you see the final product. And let's, and after what the implementation with the governance, uh, Vice President Sekovic will have to do a very good job in the State of the Union uh, report and, and, and governance process. Okay, thank you very much. For thank you very much for going through what is indeed a very, very complex. Uh, package and also good to know there might still be some surprises next week for sure good to know good to know so now I'd like to hand over to uh, Georg from Bruegel to uh, give some uh, reactions and some comments uh, Georg. okay C uh, could we put the uh, slides up um, okay um, yes thank you very much for, uh, for coming here to Brussels uh, to Bruegel <laughs> and um, I would like to uh, to give or use my 10 minutes to take a step back and a bit focus on the uh, on the bigger picture because I was unable to read through the uh, 2,000 page of leaks uh, <laughs> and um, I will try to to make some simplifications and please excuse me for uh, for that. So can we have the next slide? Okay. Um, what I would like to do is to uh, to start really with the uh, with the aims of uh, European energy and climate policy. So, um, what's the uh, what's the three or I put here four main aims. The first one is we want to stay well below the two degree target, and um, the second one is in terms of competitiveness. So, we want the energy cost in the European Union to be uh, sensibly low, competitive with other parts of the world. I put a second note of competitiveness, which is we want to be good in exporting low-carbon technologies because we have developed some comparative advantage here and we might want to strengthen that. And we want to have a secure energy supply, which is both internal, so the lights shouldn't go off because of technical defaults, but also external. Now, what is the current policies on that? Next slide, please. Um, so there is a complex mixture, so it's a very crowded policy space, having been filled for, uh, for more than 20 years from, uh, from all sides. And uh, in terms of EU policies, uh, four 
keeping well below two degree target. We have the renewables policy, we have energy efficiency policy, we have the emission trading system, we have the effort sharing decision between member states. So there's a lot of things already uh, being implemented, but we know that this is not sufficient to keep, uh, to get to, um, to the 40% reductions that we want to have by, uh, by 2030. In terms of competitiveness, the main tool that has been heralded is the internal market. And as the commissioner mentioned, there are some substantial issues with the internal market functioning nowadays and there needs to be repair. In terms of competitiveness, um, I think we are doing relatively limited amounts in terms of innovation policy on the EU level, so there is a set plan for coordination. Um, but the, uh, uh, the renewables policy itself has been a strong market pull for this technology, but probably more can be done. And in terms of uh, energy security, a lot is about uh, network codes for the security of supply. And in terms of infrastructure, the commission mentioned that there are also here again some, uh, some room for improvement. Next slide, please. So what does the winter package, as the leak that I saw and, and quickly skimmed through, uh, essentially adds to that? Um, I think a very important point for me, and uh, that's what has been mentioned last, is the, uh, is the new governance structure, essentially for meeting the energy efficiency and renewables targets. I think it's a completely step change in the way the European Union interacts with the member states. It essentially is, for me, a sort of a copy of the Paris Agreement to some degree, that there, are uh, there is a long-term uh, planning by the individual member states and there is a pledge and review from the Commission. So it's not this Brussels dictates to the member states what they should do, but it's the member states coming up with plans trying to, uh, 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 to be fulfilling them and the Commission monitoring whether they are on a good track. So it's uh, essentially potential, or for me it's a recognition of the shift in power in, uh, in the interaction between the member states and the EU. And probably that's sensible at this point in time where we have discussions about Brexit and uh, we have had all sorts of, uh, of power struggles between the member states and, um, and the commission. In addition to that, the winter package has a number of, uh, of detailed updates on energy efficiency and renewables policy. Um, we can come to that later and I think there, there will be some things to be discussed there. In terms of competitiveness, here I think the Commission is still very much focused on, the, uh, uh, on its initial tool in the winter package. So it's about strengthening the internal market. The internal market was there, and the Commission tries to strengthen it with new rules on capacity mechanisms, because capacity mechanisms are there in the member states, so the Commission tries to kind of harmonize them with the uh, uh, regional operation centers and many, many other things that are in the, in the market design. Um, uh, proposal. Um, the competitiveness part, I haven't seen innovation much addressed in the, uh, in the leakages, and I think that might be a point uh, to be discussed later. And on energy security, um, I haven't seen the, the, uh, any leak on the, on the ESA directive. I hope that there's something in, because I see on, in terms of um, interconnector, uh, interconnector building is uh, um, currently not working very well. The next slide, please. So does the winter package help to achieve the targets? Well, first of all, the current targets that we have are insufficient to reach the two-degree target. 
So our 40% uh, our decarbonization is not on a trajectory to reach 80 to 95% uh, decarbonization by 2050. Something needs to be done there, so we need to get stronger here. And it's very Eurocentric, so we cannot save the world. So we have 10% of global emissions in the European Union. If we reduce them by half, we have 5% of global emissions. That's not making a big change in, uh, in global emissions. So maybe when thinking about uh, climate policy, we should think a bit more global. In terms of um, competitiveness, in my view, the proposals on the internal market are, are interesting, often very sensible. It's, uh, 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 it's good uh, upgrades and updates of current policies, but my impression is the it's not really the game that we are in. The game is that the member states don't want the, uh, uh, a market to coordinate investments into the power plant part. And I think what competitiveness for me is about is getting a cost-efficient power plant park and cost-efficient investments everywhere. But before 1990, member states kind of weakly coordinated on an intergovernmental uh, area of what types of power plants they are building. So they talked to each other. There was some coordination of command and control policies. Then the idea was, no, we move to a market. It's much more efficient. We develop a wholesale market, and we uh, develop an emission trading system. And these two things are essentially going to deliver a well-functioning, uh, optimal portfolio of power plants throughout the European Union. That is a brilliant idea. It should be able to work. But then the member states didn't like the outcome of those mechanisms. They didn't like that in, uh, in Germany it was not possible to, uh, to keep uh, certain types of power plants uh, in the system. In France, you couldn't invest into nuclear if you, uh, uh, and in the UK and in, Pol uh, in uh, Poland and Hungary for that matter. So member states didn't simply like the outcome of the, uh, of the European market and they tried to overrule it with national mechanisms. So they invented, what, what have you, contracts for differences, capacity mechanisms, support schemes. So every member state essentially found its own way to support its own technology preference. And we had an overbuilt system. We had too many power plants in the European system. We had the wrong technologies in the wrong places. Now, the commission says, no, but well, the in internal market is still the best thing we can, can think of. We should try to keep it back. But I, I'm not sure that's going to work. So I think what we need here is much more talking to the heads of state and governments and come back to a real an agreement between the heads of state and government that we need some coordination of the power plant part. On innovation, again, uh, I think it's not addressed uh, properly at the moment. And uh, on uh, energy security, I again fear a bit that um, the member states are unlikely to seize the sovereignty necessary to make, the, uh, make this European proposals work. So what is the alternative that I would spend uh, uh, one minute on? Um, I think in terms of, uh, of climate policy and in terms of competitiveness, so low carbon technology exports, here we can do quite a lot. We can foster investments in low carbon technologies abroad. We are good in developing some of those technologies and we see that there are still coal-fired power plants being built in India and, uh, and Africa and everywhere. And we would have the technology to replace those things with uh, clean technologies. That would mean we don't install so much renewables at home where it essentially replaces power plants that have not reached the end of their economic lifetime. But we try to foster exporting those technologies where it makes really a difference in, uh, in, uh, in not locking in uh, a high carbon future. 
In terms of competitiveness, um, I think the new government structure, governance structure for energy and renewables is, uh, is a good one. I think in terms of um, talking about coordinating the, uh, the power sector between member states, we also need a new high-level sector coordination agreement. I will come to that on the next slide, please. Um, so essentially, um, member states should decide whether they want a joint market that essentially is allowed to drive investments and that they, do, uh, that they agree that they don't want to, uh, to kind of overrule the market choices. For me, that would mean a European independent system operator. Member states can only exclude technologies in their country, but they cannot promote a specific technology. And essentially, electricity policies become a European thing. Or that we find another mean of coordinating interventions between member states that is currently not taking place. We simply do not coordinate between member states where and uh, which technology we, uh, we sit into the member states. Um, my, uh, my third point would be on reducing micromanagement. I'm wondering a bit when reading the, uh, when reading the, uh, um, uh, the thousand pages whether all of that is really necessary. So is it really up to Brussels to decide on renewables in district heating and cooling? Uh, it's not a European market. Um, cannot member states do that, especially when we have this governance structure that gives national targets for the member states to, uh, to achieve in terms of energy efficiency and renewables? Do we still need rules from Brussels to, uh, to kind of micromanage those things? And uh, a last point uh, that I always bring up uh, is, um, is better quality of the, uh, of the modeling uh, and more open and transparent modeling. I think when we are in the new world with the, uh, with the commission uh, being more of a soft power entity, I think one of the big improvements would be that Brussels really comes up with the reference model, being the fora for discussing and coordinating things, and here a much better model, more open, more transparent stakeholder input would be helpful. Thank you very much for your attention. Thank you, Georg. So we have about uh, 40 minutes or so for questions. Can I just get an idea of how many questions there might be? Raise your hand if you have a question. Okay, well, that's good. Um, I just want to check, Commissioner, do you want to react to what Gail said? Yes, uh, no, a, a little bit. Only. No, for, for sure. I, I understand the logic of, 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 uh, of your intervention. And, and that any, any reform has to, to take into account all the priorities of the of the of energy security, competitive and sustainable energy. That's for sure, and it's understandable. But uh, it, it's very clear um, that uh, we have here two, two problems uh, when we get to this. One is Article 194, in which there are two, two, two conflicting elements in 194. On one side, member states are sovereign to define their energy mix. On the other side, the Commission is asked to develop an internal market. Mm -hmm. How can you develop internal markets harmonized when energy mix can be established with full independence? That was a very political article. When I was appointed commissioner, I spent a lot of time reading the article and trying to understand what were the, the margin of maneuver. It's complicated. And, and, and the going to the heat and cooling exercise, this is micromanagement or it is needed? It's a subsidiarity element. Or we have to deal with the, with the sector in which more savings we, we, of energy and more introducing of less renewable energy is used. 
because this is a, a coal, uh, by, uh, gas power, and sometimes biomass. And, 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 and. So the doubt is how far you, have, how intrusive you are when you have such, such big targets that with uh, individual action of member states will never be achieved. Because the challenge uh, with energy performance, we take the example of, of refurbishing buildings. The, 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 the ratio of renovating buildings, which are the most inefficient in the world, because all were built when they were not in performance standard for building. They use lots of energy. They, they are not insulated. They are not double glazed. The standard of renovation uh, is 1% a year. We will need 100 years to renovate the buildings. Are you prescriptive? Do you establish compulsory percentage? No. In the heating and cooling, it's the same story. So, it's, and, and, and it's an ongoing discussion. We haven't solved yet the heating and cooling exercise. We, we, we are currently today dealing with that. Eh? So that I told you that the leaks might not be the final product, and there might be more margin of maneuvers to achieve the target. But that is, that's why the governance will become very important. Because if you are less intrusive, and, 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 we, and, and the October 2014 Council was a very peculiar council. And that's another thing I studied when I was appointed commissioner. The decision of the October 2014 Council. That was a council extremely prescriptive, very clear on everything. But one of the things they decided is not having binding national targets. And that's a problem. Because if you don't have binding, how do you benchmark the progress towards nothing? Globally. Then what happens with early movers? What happens with countries like Nordic countries who have lots of efforts on the world? They have done a lot. Then, then how we achieve the 27? We ask those who have been early movers to be more ambitious and, and, and left 15 countries doing nothing. So are you prescriptive, not, are you intrusive? That's a, a complicated way when you don't have binding targets. Because the problem is we, 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 we have binding targets in the 2020 strategy. And then the commission could enforce them. Uh, we have an iterative process. We have infringements. And, and, and what was the, the outcome that we are on target? We will deliver uh, our targets on, on renewables. And we probably, uh, on energy efficiency, must be a little bit more complicated. But we, 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 we will be on very near our target on, on 2020. But we were binding targets. Now, they are not binding anymore. And even at the European level, energy efficiency it's not binding. So how we can achieve ambitious climate goals without this element? And then how we work in the market when member states don't want to be coordinated sometimes? We have done the gas supply regulation. It's ongoing on the parliament. We are seeing what's happening with the regions there in, 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 in the co-decision. So I know there's, there's the discussion. But we have to convince the member states that they cannot act at national level with the challenge we have. They have to coordinate regional. And for this preparedness in electricity, it's very clear what's happening. See what's happening in France with the nuclear plants at the moment and the rising in demand. You have to coordinate with your neighbors. And, and this is something which is not a major crisis at the moment. No? But that's what that shows is um, because you say, well, member states should take, and the heads of government should take a decision. You imagine the decision they took in October 2014. No binding targets. Eh? Let this go. Very prescriptive on emission trading system. The caps were established, and, 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 the, the, and they were settled at 2.2, the annual reduction factors. It was very complicated, the council. So, so within that framework, the commission has to weigh as ambitious within the one out of 194. 
And that explains that the product, remember, I, I appreciate very much the Bruegel papers, one, one of the papers I read when I became commissioner of the challenge this commission had in, in the imperial sector. But the challenge in reality is how you cope with it. Right? Because you say, well, I, I will put you an example, one of the problems we have on the table. Uh, building zones or price zones. <coughs> the logic is doing it at European level. Um, but what happens when you have to develop a building zone within the country, within the north and the south of Germany? You say, it's actually going to take the decision. Uh, we'll have a political impact. It's complicated, the problem. So within that constraints, we try to be as ambitious as possible. Okay. Thank you, thank you. So we had some questions in the room. I, there was one uh, at the back. I think there's a mic. Well, we'll take a couple. Um, so uh, we'll take care and the gentleman here first, and then we'll do take another round. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, Alessandro Bertelloni, uh, Fuels Europe, the association representing the uh, refining and marketing yeah. industry in Europe. Fuels. Is it Fuels? Fuels Europe, Fuels Fuels Europe. Europe. Yeah. representing the refinery and marketing industry in Europe. Yeah. Um, can I ask uh, the Commissioner a, a direct question? So if, uh, as we hear, to, uh, to reduce uh, the carbon content of uh, fuels in transport, the Commission has uh, chosen the option to impose a target on renewable in transport. Uh, what will happen after 2020 of uh, Article 7A of the Fuel Quality Directive. Okay, and there was another question here in the front row. <coughs> Are you the same? You? Yeah. Might we'll get the next, we'll be in the next round. No, it's you. Okay. Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Jamie Tarleton, um, working at the European Parliament. Um, my question is if the United States were to leave the Paris Agreement, uh, what impact do you think that might have on our energy and climate policy? Okay. Well, the, the first one was Article 77, you meant of the Energy Efficiency Directive? No, of the Fuel Quality Directive. On transport, we, we established an, an, an obligation who will go from 1.5 to, to, to 5 to 5% 5 in 2030, more or less. Uh, more or less, uh, at the moment. That, uh, that's what I, I recall from from the papers address. And also we are doing another thing because we are, we are substituting uh, food-based uh, first-generation biofuels by second-generation biofuels, phasing out ones and phasing in the others. The level of phasing out, phasing in is to be discussed, the amount, the percentage for advanced biofuels and the definitions of advanced biofuels because it's another game, no? Mm -hmm. But the purpose of the Commission will be First, that there will be a, a transport obligation of incorporated, uh, uh, and then uh, the, the quality of the biofuels, is, it should be advanced biofuels in the future. Here is a big, an ongoing debate because we have two options. We could say we stop first generation biofuels from 2020 and we go for advanced biofuels, but that will be against people who have made investments under the European regulation, or we make a, a slow phase down as technological uh, uh, advancement uh, uh, permits us to develop advanced biofuels, because this is a, 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 a conversation. This is one of the items we are currently discussing. The, okay. de the definition of advanced biofuels, the percentage, and that's what's not settled at the moment. So this is for today, one of the elements for today. You can imagine that the Nordic countries are very keen on it, and also the sustainability criteria for biomass and all the forest associated management policies uh, for it. United States. In Marrakesh, uh, we went to a COP to implement the COP. We did our job. Uh, 
but in the atmosphere, what was there is what the, the, the incumbent president, uh, the next president of the United States, will decide on climate change in view of the, some declarations during the political campaign, and the, 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 the tone of his first uh, speech after he, he had won the elections, and, and the decisions he's currently taking in, in, in different positions he's, he's appointing. No? Uh, for sure, the United States is the second world emitter. We, you were mentioning that we were meaningless. I, I am going back to that. Um, uh, they, they, they are 15% emission. But, but they, what is the impact? It will depend on the American economy because one is the decision of the federal government and what's happening on the ground. The clean energy is, is a job creating exercise during the crisis. In the clean energy sector of the European Union, uh, in the aftermath of the, of the economic, uh, 900,000 uh, jobs were created in, in this sector. So this is a, a growing sector uh, uh, all over the world. And, and you see what the action that's happening in the United States at federal state level, what's in California, what are the people, what are the majors of all the cities, the 40 big cities in the United States, the 40 majors doing. So it's, the impact will be, I don't know the decision they will take, but I think that if it's an administration which is concentrated on Joseph growth, uh, climate change policies cannot be eliminated uh, by presidential decision from day one, or they cannot withdraw easily. They did it in Kyoto. Uh, so they, they did it, and it, and it was in a COP in Marrakesh. There was a COP in Marrakesh, by, 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 and they went out of the Kyoto Protocol. Right? And they had to come back. And they, and, and they had to explain to the global community when they went out all the consequences of, of that. We, we continue in Kyoto with action, the European Union and the European countries. We are the ones who have, uh, uh, say, um, binding committees. We have enforced Kyoto. We have achieved the targets of Kyoto. And we have developed a very competitive renewable sector because 30% of the patents and renewables belong to European companies. And I agree with you. Innovation is not in the package. That doesn't mean that uh, energy and climate, uh, and climate action and innovation, we are dealing with Commissioner Moedas very closely to develop a strategy very important to develop uh, um, disruptive innovation in technologies and also um, in storage. Because within, in order to develop these flexible markets and this demand response, investment in, in innovation in storage is one of the utmost priorities we are, we are currently dealing with. So we mentioned innovation, but we have the set, the set plan and the set in our strategy, which we are considering uh, in addition to this to this package. But we will. It's, it's not something we have forgotten, because uh, we are streamlining and, and, and under Horizon 2020, the, the, the package for climate action is, is very is very comp uh, complex. <coughs> also, in our development aid, uh, we are also. Uh, concentrating climate change policy. And it's true, in one of your presentations, that the impact the European Union has is not only domestically. It's in our development aid. The investment we do developing the energy sector in developing countries have to be climate change oriented. So we cannot develop old-fashioned technologies, polluting technologies. Our development support they should concentrate in areas competitive with renewables uh, in those countries. And that's something uh, we have a very good coordination also with Commissioner Minica on the development action plans that we are doing. And, and the new EFSI, the new um, um, external um, development fund that we have, that we are creating, we will have, will mobilize around uh, 44 uh, billion euros, and we have two platforms, one in the neighborhood, one in Africa. 
it has a climate change component very, very clearly, so that development may will concentrate uh, in, in these uh, new, new, new clean technologies. Africa is a continent in which there are 700 million people without access to energy. That the problem there is, is access, to, and this is a good opportunity to, to give the access with new technologies and for European companies will be important. So my assessment is, let's see what happens, let's be cautious, but there will be action in the United States in climate action. We will not be alone, as you say, well, we are 10%, we are meaningless, the American may go out, no, the, the action in the United States in climate action will be. Carbon markets will be in California, other, other federal, and governments, uh, uh, sub-federal governments will also come along uh, from uh, in the states on, on this area. And I expect, I don't know what the, what the decision of the president may take, but I know what the business community will say. And, the, and, and one of the lessons we learned in, in, in Marrakesh is that the side events, the involvement of non-state actors, of business uh, in, 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 in the global energy revolution is very clear. The, the, the important thing is what the side events, would you showcase the best practices what business are doing, how are they uh, supporting developing countries. And one of the things we are doing is capacity building in developing countries to implement the IMDCs, the, the, or intended measures. And in that capacity building, one of the messages is you have to, 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 to fulfill your targets with renewable energies, developing um, clean technologies, and that is one of the elements that will be, will be there. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, the definition of advanced biofuels that could be one of the that could be one of the new things next week <laughs> something to look forward to and uh, you, you have all kind of things depending who who, who gives you the paper exactly. who loves you <laughs> exactly <laughs> and you know if we can't deal with the US president we can perhaps deal on a on a state level with individual states um, there were some more questions I'll take um, so uh, Mark uh, gentleman here and the gentleman in the middle as well Siobhan, thank you. Mark Johnston, comment, two questions. Comment is that I don't think the Commission can blame the summit two years ago for not adopting national objectives when the Commission in the same year never asked for that. I appreciate you are not a member of the Barroso Commission, but any incoming Commission has to accept that uh, it inherits the errors and omissions of its predecessors. I'm That's not blaming anybody, eh? I, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just pointing out what, what the outcome. Okay, but I, I, I think the history is also important. Um, for the two questions on subsidies, since uh, we're at a, a, an economics think tank, and thank you to Bruegel too. Um, first is, um, how can you justify new subsidies to old coal plants? Um, when you were speaking, you emphasized the word might. The proposals next week might contain conditions that might mitigate against that, but so far, um, that's part of what you get with capacity payments. Uh, I decode might to mean uh, Commissioner Vestager is treading on your toes on this, which is why it's not settled. Um, but you're right, in the principle you stated, it would be embarrassing for the union to have rules that both charge for pollution and subsidize those polluting plants at the same time. So, you know, essentially, why is that not fixed yet? And the second question also on subsidies. After the uh, UK and Hungarian uh, new nuclear case decisions. Is it fair to say that nuclear power is exempt from market rules? Thank you. As you, as you know, as you know, the competition cases are case by case decisions that takes uh, the, the competition authorities. And in the Hinkley point, it was thought that for reasons of security of supply, uh, the package was balanced. It was done in the previous commission. 
I don't know what the, this commission would have said under, <coughs> under the, the circumstances, but that's a given. No? That was <coughs> taken a decision, and, 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 and it's already there. On the other question, important. I say might because I have, I have learned to be prudent. <laughs> but my own position is, is very clear. It has no logic if you have this challenge of global warming, which is decarbonizing our economy, because some people may like the world, some people may not like it, but we have to do it. And we actually have a roadmap, which comes from 2011, uh, I think, in which we established that we will decarbonize by 80 and 95 percent. And that was 2011, before the October Council, but I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that they were not binding, and they are much more difficult to implement, very, very clear. I, I am just saying that I have two hats. Uh, when, when I have binding commitments, it's, I have another, uh, and I, when I don't have them. And, and the logic is a different logic of governance. In the past, it was the commission directly, infringements, and that's the case. Now, it's an iterative process, also. But my own position is you cannot go for 40% uh, greenhouse gas reduction, at least domestically, as we have. And, 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 and establish uh, that when you come to something that's as delicate, uh, with something which is a last resort, which is uh, capacity remuneration schemes, to say, well, it, 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 we don't take into account uh, the level of emission, uh, the CO2 factor. So that, that, that's my position is we should take it into account, and, and we have to, 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 to limit it. But as I am cautious, uh, and, and the package is not ready, uh, I, 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 I can tell you what I tell. That's what I use, might. Eh? <laughs> but if in my one position, my thinking is we should. But the problem is this is a college decision, this is a complex one, and we have to take a decision with all the elements on the table. And as the, uh, until the, the package is finished, I will not be, how to say, very um, firm in, the, in, the, okay. in, in my declarations. Because I have, I, I, I have seen many discussions within the Commission in these last two years, and I know that things may change for the better sometimes, and sometimes not so, not so for the better, but uh, I'm prudent at, at this stage. But I say the concern, and I think that under the G20, we have to, 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 to next year, to take, with this commitment, we have on the table decisions on, on, on phasing out um, uh, fuel subsidies. I, 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 I think to recall that that in the European Union, uh, I, I don't remember, but it was more than 100 billion, uh, some place I have the figure uh, about it, because uh, uh, more than 170 billion uh, uh, as a whole in, in the energy <coughs> and in the transport, we have in both of them, and it's some decision we have, we have to take. And in a time in we have low energy prices, in, in a scenario, this is the right time well, they're, they're increasing now, but it, but, but it has been the time to take the decision. But let's see what happens, no? But, but gas supplies, gas is in, in the future. This is the right time to take the decision. Anyway, we have to take because of our, our climate target that we have accepted. But it has all the logic. We, we, we cannot dedicate. And, and, and the countries who have taken the brave decision to do so, they have performed economically better. Coming back to the modeling, because I forget, for sure the modeling can be better improved. The Commission wants to be transparent and to do that the reference scenario. Uh, and we have a challenge because uh, with the modeling, because we have to develop, uh, we will have to start thinking on, uh, on, on, on the mid-century strategies for 2020, 
and then the, 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 the Commission has been committed to do an economic and social um, um, impact assessment of this challenge. And that requires some very sophisticated modeling in order to, to, to convince the public opinions uh, of the feasibility on one side and how you can uh, take the measures to, 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 so that the social dimension is taken into account because it's very clear. And that economic and social balance must be kept in, uh, and we have to have a very sophisticated modeling to assess the consequences of your movements uh, and, 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 and the social message you also have to take to have a reasonable balance. Okay, thank you very much. So, so far I've got the energy efficiency, things that might be a surprise next week, the energy efficiency target, the definition of biofuels, and something to do with capacity mechanisms. That so can that's be much more surprising. Don't, don't, um, don't, don't put doors to the, to the countryside. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, can we take three, there were three questions I saw um, that have been waiting. So this, this gentleman will take Three questions? Just yeah. for sure. Uh, so this gentleman... I, I don't know you were able to get three answers, but... <laughs> I know, but the question I will try. Uh, and the chap in the back, and this lady here, they were all first, so go ahead. Nicola Nicchiotti from Enel. Uh, first Hola of all, la. congratulations from, for the package, actually. It looks w wait to see it, wait to see it. <laughs> no, but it looks very comprehensive. It's a very good place for discussion, and we hope in these final hours it will not change dramatically uh, on the most important points. My question is on governance. Uh, you talked about this new approach in which uh, uh, member states present their plans and their plans they're put together and the Commission jumps in uh, in case of need. Uh, can we expect the Commission to take an additional step uh, and develop uh, a real energy strategy, maybe coupled with a real European industrial strategy? Or your role will be limited to put things together, see how they work, uh, and then jump in only when needed? Thank you. Okay, and there was a question, a gentleman at the back there. So good morning, Quentin from BASF. I would like to ask, what's your target for buildings? Because you know that buildings represent a high share of energy consumption, CO2 emissions as well. You can see buildings emitting CO2 behind you. Um, you said that the renovation rate is too low. And we know that um, for the transition you want to a decarbonized economy, if we don't reduce drastically the energy demand of buildings, then energy will be more expensive for this transition, will be more expensive to, for everyone, for consumers, but also for industry. So what's your target for building? Do you just want to decarbonize the supply? So you said electricity will be decarbonized. Should they just switch to electric heating? Or should they also reduce their energy demands? Thank you. Okay, and then this, uh, the lady here. Hi, my name is <coughs> Sarah from uh, Wind Europe, the European Wind Energy Association. Um, my first question is on the national plans and governance, and I was just curious because you said that countries are supposed to share the plans with uh, their neighbors and everything. I was wondering whether this is compulsory, voluntary, um, whether the neighbors have uh, an obligation to answer to. I mean, I, I was just wondering if this is going to be effective that if the countries are on board or if it's going to be just a factor for delay. Um, and then the other question would be about one of these leaks uh, of the package. Um, so that ha there seems that it seems that a priority dispatch for large scale renewals is going to be removed. And uh, I mean, I can understand that <coughs> there is an economic argument here because uh, renewables are pretty cheap and everything. 
But still, there's a big political commitment. So why would you remove um, priority dispatch? So the first one was on governance. Well, let's see, on the governance side, what, 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 we, what we say is um, that member states will, will, will prepare the national, uh, the draft national plans based on common requirements, uh, including those regional and public consultations, and they have to submit to the commission. Um, the commission will assess the national plans, the draft that they have submitted, and, and, and will ensure that other member states commend them. So the idea is uh, the national plan is done by the member state on its own, it's sent to the commission, other member states can make comments, and then the commission will issue recommendations. It's taking into account the national plan, the comments of the, of, of the neighbors who are influenced, and the commission will make the recommendations. So it's, it's this type, it's this type of, of, of governance scheme. Okay? So, so this is this is the idea, uh, and then uh, once the, the plan is, is adopted, uh, they have to be implemented, and and, 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 and then uh, they, they also will have influence because there is one piece of legislation which is the the, 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 the risk preparedness, which is also basic, and, and all, all, all the elements of the risk preparedness have also to be taken account if member states have uh, are, <coughs> the plans are in compliance with the risk preparedness directly, because it's also an element of, of importance, which involves regional cooperation, for sure. The element of regional cooperation is also in that directive very active. Can I, can I just check? When you say the Commission will make recommendations, will the member states have to They will have to, to utmost follow it. The utmost. They have to do uh, their uh, utmost. I think the word is utmost in, in the wording at the moment. <laughs> I don't think it's the last. They should utmost, utmostly follow it. It, it, it means it's a reasonable process, the, 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 but it's, they are sovereign to do the national plans, okay. uh, but I, I think it's in the interest of everybody to follow the recommendations. The Commission will not make silly recommendations, for sure. Okay. They will be balanced, they will be homogeneous, and they have the same logic for the 28 member states, taking into account the capabilities and the peculiar circumstances of all of them. But it's not, it's not that they have to, to, it's not the Commission drafting the plans. Okay. Because that would be against subsidiarity, against proportionality, against legislation, against everything. On the on the elements of of of, of the of, of of the buildings, uh, of the buildings, we we have to. What's what's the, the here? You have to see the logic. We will if we go for a thirty percent uh, or a thirty percent uh, energy energy target. Okay, half of the additional savings needed to be achieved. Uh, will come from the um, extension of Article 7 of the Energy Directive after 2020. So the obligations to deliver to save um, uh, uh, 1.5 HCF for, for final cost of the save to final customer will be enforced in that way. But the other half uh, should be should be achieved by the combination of two elements: the energy performance of building directive on one side and the energy labeling and eco-design measures another, because one of the other elements of this, uh, of this package uh, is the working plan uh, uh, for, for the, for the eco-design in which new products, with all, with all the, the debate that new products have, but, uh, the impact they have, and, 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 and the energy performance uh, of buildings. For sure, here, we also want to, to double the rate of renovation to 1% a year, at least to 2%, and see which are the elements 
we, we, we can introduce and this and to prioritize within the, the, this package um, social uh, activity in, in, in social housing and in, uh, in, 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 in related to most vulnerable consumers because we see if we do our right, put our act together, the impact that we, 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 we can have with the uh, uh, energy performance of buildings take out of poverty between 500,000 and 3 million households. At the moment, we have 23 million households, with, which is 11% of the population which, uh, who, who are in the risk of, of energy poverty. And this, and, and acting through the energy performance of buildings uh, with, the, with the actual regulation that we have uh, on the table, we can, we can achieve uh, a, a, a big reduction uh, for sure. Uh, here, the, the, what we are, we are considering is um, in, in, in the energy performance we are doing many things because we have uh, we are simplifying outdated provisions. We are integrating the long-term building renovation strategies uh, uh, with a uh, 2050 focus. And we are doing something which is important for me, if it's, if it's in the final package, which will support in the deployment uh, of about 5 million uh, electric vehicle recharging points, which is promoting the rollout of uh, recharging for new and major renovated non-residential buildings, uh, and, and, and for all residential buildings, uh, non-residential after 2025. In, 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 the, in the residential, it's only scabling, it's not charging points, it's just the, the labeling in order to make it feasible in the future. Uh, and, uh, and we, we will introduce some, some elements as smartness indicators for buildings and so on. On so, the so just on the buildings, the idea is you do want to reduce energy demand, energy demand in buildings for directly, sure, for and sure. you also want to push away yeah. from fossil fuels in buildings too. Uh, as much as we can, and then you are getting into the heating and cooling of buildings, and then you come back to the heating and cooling, and can intrusive you can be in the heating and cooling, and the use of renewables in the heating and cooling sector. Uh, everything in the energy interlinked. Priority of dispatch is one of the big of, of the big questions. If we want, if you want a, a, a market which is flexible and which is uh, a real market, you cannot have uh, priority dispatch for a single technology, because then you don't have the smart. But on the other side, if you want to develop that technology, you have to have priority access. One thing is priority dispatch. One thing is priority access, and one thing is curtailment. So we will make sure there is no undue unjustified curtailment, that there is no undue uh, limits to priority access. But on, pri on priority dispatch, uh, we have to reflect on how we make the market more flexible. Being reasonable, because for, for, for the, for we, there will be a grandfathering. All the, all, 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 the, all, all the ones who are already there with priority, they will remain, but in the future, we will, uh, we will, it, it will not be needed. Uh, it will not be needed and it will not be enforced. Also, for, for, for small installations, uh, we, we may keep it, and for technologies we are not developed. Okay? But for PVs, uh, at the moment it, has, it hasn't got the same logic. It's one of the controversial issues of the reform. We have to explain it very closely. But uh, we have to differentiate. Priority dispatch, priority access, curtailment, and, and curtailment, priority access will remain for renewables uh, for sure and priority dispatch will be much more limited. There will be exemptions uh, to, the, to the rule of, of, of eliminating it. And also, we will be a grandfathering of the actual people so that we make a transition without retroactive changes. That's the negative issue, because one of the things we want is to, 
avoid retroactivity in the frameworks of support scheme uh, uh, in the future to avoid giving contradictory signals to investors that you can change the regulations and, 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 and disincentivize investments. So, so we try to make a balanced proposal, a balanced package, and I have thanks for the comments made by my friends of Denner, uh, but wait to see the final package because everybody wants something. And, and, and the, 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 the difficulty of the package is everybody, if what his main interest is not well reflected, he hides the whole package. And I think it's not fair. No, 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 no. You, you have to see the whole package well as a whole. It's a, a big step forward uh, to what we have at the moment. For sure, there will be next package because there's not the any package, and, uh, and this one, and there will be more packages because at the moment we have a 40% target. But if you see, if you see our roadmap the, of the carbonized economy, we don't go for 40% in 2030 to 80% mm -hmm. in 2050. There will be intermediate steps. Uh, in 2040 and in 2025, there will be a, a, a stop. Uh, 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 2025, a raising of ambition. There will be another one five years later. So this is going to be a progressive way. And I come back to the, the to earlier. At the moment, because we have been active strategy, what the, what's the role of the Commission in this exercise? For sure, member states are, are doing themselves national uh, um, climate uh, strategies. The last one, Germany, was presented last week. No. Uh, and other countries are. But the European Union, first of all, is a party of the Paris Agreement and of the Convention. It's also obliged to make the European study. And it also has to see the cumulative impacts of the different national strategies in a joint exercise uh, to deliver the, the, the needed frameworks to make it possible the advance to the target. So we will deliver our own strategy. And that's why we need the modeling sophisticated. And I take uh, very seriously the the remarks you make about the reference scenario, transparency, and the, and, the, and the complicated modeling we are using, mainly in the plans, but other, other things that we use uh, for this exercise. Thank you. I wonder if we can just squeeze in one last question, one last question from Andreas there. Thank you, Chair. It's Andreas Wallstedt from Interfax Europe. Uh, you mentioned linking the ETS with, with schemes in California and China. I was wondering if you could maybe expand a little bit more on that. Well, the idea is, is, is the following. Uh, we have developed our uh, European uh, carbon market. We have also the carbon market in Switzerland, not so far away, it's not in California. The idea in the future is whether we can develop carbon markets in a way that they will be easily to interlink them. I try, one of the exercises we did in Paris is to see if we could uh, agree to a global carbon price, mm -hmm. just to flow the idea in, in, in my bilaterals with the, with the big uh, emitters. Uh, say, the, the, the ideal situation is a global carbon price. It's a level playing field. It's a signal for everybody. We all can go above the circles. Now we are developing different carbon markets with different elements who, 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 who make you arrive at different prices. No? And we have the ideas of the caps and floor, the corridor, and all kinds of ideas. But mainly, there are people who have gone for a market approach. And, and we, we, we sit together and we analyze how we are developing our markets, which are the difference and the, and, the, and the similarities. How we can have convergence in the future and how we can link the markets in the future, we will have a global market, which is the idea. Because as we, you have to read this a global carbon price in the future. <laughs> Uh, if you do it at, uh, at a climate convention, you have to do it by unanimity. Imagine if even if Nicaragua doesn't like it, you don't have the, 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 
and, 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 and it's a good experience I have, I have learned in, in international talks. Eh? Uh, when, we, when we arrived to Paris, uh, everybody thought, no, India is going to be very difficult. And I say, well, expect what, what happens uh, with other people uh, in Latin America. They, they may prove more difficult in the, in, in the end. Those were the standing block in the final hour of the, of the decision. No. So unanimity would, makes very difficult to have a global, uh, a global carbon price agreed within the Climate Change Convention or, or within the Paris Agreement. Then we have to go by coordination. And the idea is the more similar our market is to the Chinese, then the more level playing field we have. So that's what we are trying is to organize a big conference, to, to join experience. We, are, we have some pilot programs uh, to, 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 to show our uh, Chinese friends uh, how we have delivered our market, the problems we have found, the mistakes we have made, and how not to make them in the future. And, and, and we have very good cooperation schemes, but we have to enlarge it because there are, there are current markets in Korea, there are in California, there are uh, in other places, and we have to, 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 to make carbon markets that, that, that work together <coughs> with some degree of convergence. We have to explore that avenue, and I think it's very positive to, to, to talk, to have a dialogue, and to be constructive together. And just one final question on that then. What do you think a global carbon price might be? First lesson, say never yes. fix, say something of prices when you have responsibilities as commission. Okay. First okay. lesson. Okay. Second, if you see the modeling of our impact assessment on DTS, you have an answer there, but I will not give you the answer. Okay. Okay. I have become prudent at 66 <laughs> after being imprudent until 64. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much, Commissioner Cagnetti, for coming down today. Thank you, Gail, for your comments and reactions. We'd like to thank the speakers. Yeah.